No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where King Belshazzar drinks from the holy vessels of the Lord, brought to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. Then a man's hand appears writing on the wall. The queen suggests that the king summon Daniel to interpret it. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Daniel chapter 5 on Simply the Bible. About 25 years had passed from the end of chapter 4 to chapter 5. Nebuchadnezzar died in 562 B.C. He was succeeded by his son, Evil Merodach, who was murdered two years later by his own brother-in-law, Nuriglisser. He ruled for four years and was succeeded by his son, who ruled less than a year before being assassinated by Nabonidus. And you thought your family had problems. Now, Nabonidus is thought to have married Nebuchadnezzar's daughter, thus strengthening his right to the throne. He reigned for 17 years. His eldest son was Belshazzar, whom Nabonidus appointed as co-regent over the city of Babylon. Now, we saw in chapter 2 that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of a great image. Daniel interpreted the dream, saying that Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold. After him would come a second kingdom represented by the chest and arms of silver. These were the Medes and Persians who were already conquering the Babylonian Empire. Nabonidus himself had just been captured and the Medes and Persians were now outside the city walls of Babylon. However, rather than the city being in a state of panic or even on high alert, everyone felt secure. The walls were reported to be 300 feet high and 87 feet thick. A system of inner and outer walls with a water moat between them and towers at appropriate intervals made the city very secure. The Euphrates River went underneath the walls through the middle of the city, so they had plenty of water. And they boasted that they had enough food stored up to endure a siege that would last 20 years. But we read in Psalm 33:10, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. And King Belshazzar was about to experience this firsthand. We continue today in Daniel chapter 5. Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. They were all partying like there was no tomorrow, with lots of wine to go around. This festival was probably to declare their belief in their Babylonian gods to deliver them. The scripture is clear to point out that King Belshazzar gave the command to bring in the vessels from the Lord's house while he was tasting the wine. 
Perhaps if he hadn't been under the influence, he wouldn't have given this order. These vessels were sacred and were only to be used in the worship of the Lord. To use them for the king's drinking party was bad enough, but then to praise the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone in the process was an even greater sacrilege. They worshiped their lifeless idols using the sacred vessels of the living God. This was a fatal mistake. Perhaps if he had been sober, he would have not done something so blasphemous, but now it was too late. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. Never before had anyone seen anything like this. The fingers of a man's hand mysteriously appeared and wrote in the plaster on an illuminated section of the wall and in plain view of the king. This is where we get the saying, the writing on the wall. Belshazzar's countenance changed from a drunken cheerfulness to a look of horror. He became so frightened that his knees literally knocked together. It is interesting that in the ruins of Nebuchadnezzar's palace, archaeologists have uncovered a large throne room 56 feet wide and 173 feet long, which probably was the scene of this banquet. Midway in the long wall opposite the entrance, there was a niche in front of which the king may well have been seated. The wall behind the niche was covered with white plaster as described by Daniel and would have made an excellent background for the writing. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. Belshazzar cried aloud, probably a shriek of terror, to bring in the astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. These were the same so-called wise men who proved so unreliable in the days of Nebuchadnezzar. If anyone could read the message and give its interpretation, then Belshazzar would give him a handsome reward, including making him third in the kingdom after Nabonidus and Belshazzar. But no one could read or interpret it so that the king was greatly troubled and his lords were astonished and bewildered. The day of reckoning had come and the king's advisors and enchanters proved useless. The world has its methods for coping with stress, grief, and defeat. But these methods prove futile when the day of calamity strikes. When judgment comes, I want to be on God's side and have him on my side. I want to be found trusting in him, not in this world and its devices, nor in myself. God alone is our rock and refuge in times of calamity. If we fear him, then we need not fear anything or anyone else. 
Now, all of this was prophesied by Isaiah 150 years earlier. Isaiah 47 says, Come down, virgin daughter of Babylon, and sit in the dust, for your days of sitting on a throne have ended. O daughter of Babylonia, never again will you be the lovely princess, tender and delicate. Take heavy millstones and grind flour. Remove your veil and strip off your robe. Expose yourself to public view. You will be naked and burdened with shame. I will take vengeance against you without pity. Our Redeemer, whose name is the Lord of heaven's armies, is the Holy One of Israel. O beautiful Babylon, sit now in darkness and silence. Never again will you be known as the Queen of Kingdoms. For I was angry with my chosen people and punished them by letting them fall into your hands. But you, Babylon, showed them no mercy. You oppressed even the elderly. You said, I will reign forever as a queen of the world. You did not reflect on your actions or think about their consequences. Listen to this, you pleasure-loving kingdom, living at ease and feeling secure. You say, I am the only one and there is no other. I will never be a widow or lose my children. Well, both these things will come upon you in a moment, widowhood and the loss of your children. Yes, these calamities will come upon you despite all your witchcraft and magic. The day of judgment had now come. The writing was on the wall. These people had lived in the lap of luxury and pleasure-seeking, having no idea what was about to come down. Now, I wonder if we are aware of the days in which we are living. People often interpret God's delays as his approval or that he simply doesn't care or that he's powerless to do anything. But that is a grave mistake. God is slow to bring judgment because he is patient with us. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. He opens the narrow gate of faith in Jesus Christ and invites us to all enter in to be saved. But when people ignore God's commandments and use the vessels of their God-given bodies as instruments of drunkenness, immorality, and idolatry, then they are hastening the day of judgment and increasing its severity. Verse 10, The queen, because of the words of the king and of his lords, came to the banquet hall, The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. When news of this event reached the queen, who is thought to be Belshazzar's mother, she came into the banquet hall. When she said, your father, the king, that likely meant your grandfather, as there was no word for grandfather in Aramaic. Forefathers were called fathers or father's fathers, but a single grandfather was always simply called father. 
Daniel was now in his 80s and no doubt retired from his position as chief of the wise men. Nevertheless, his reputation had not been forgotten by the daughter of Nebuchadnezzar. She knew that Daniel had the spirit of the holy God in him, and Nebuchadnezzar had found him to be extremely valuable in interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas, for he had an excellent spirit. Therefore, she advised Belshazzar to call for him in this crisis. She was optimistic that he could solve all the king's problems, overly optimistic given the gravity of the situation and the Medes and Persians outside the city walls. Daniel had so many great characteristics. What I love about him is that even late into his life, he had an amazing reputation among the people of the world that continued even into the next administration. We can expect to have the same impact on the world around us if we have the Holy Spirit living in us and we purpose in our hearts not to defile ourselves as Daniel purposed in his heart. Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. May we all dare to be a Daniel. Now tomorrow we will look at the conclusion of this amazing story of God's sovereignty over the kingdoms of men. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, check out our Simply the Bible podcast, and please leave us a review. That helps a lot. Tomorrow we will see where Daniel rebukes King Belshazzar because of his pride before the Lord. Then Daniel interprets the mysterious writing on the wall. We hope you'll join us as we continue teaching through the book of Daniel on Simply the Bible.